Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Moms That Say Fuck, hosted by yours truly, Alana Kafitz and Dr. Dina Kulik. I'm Alana, the CEO and founder of Moms Toronto. We're on a mission to bring moms together and give them a great day, revolutionizing maternity leave. And I'm Dr. Dina Kulik. I'm a pediatrician and pediatric emergency medicine doctor. I provide no-nonsense child health advice, dispelling myths, and empowering parents to parent confidently and raise your healthiest kids. Together, we have six kids under eight. We are eager to chat with other moms, entrepreneurs, and interesting people about everything from sex to alcohol, sleep woes, and body shaming. We aren't afraid to talk about taboo topics or share our many opinions. We say it like it is and want to get to the heart of the issues facing moms and caregivers everywhere. Come join us. Hi, everybody. Welcome to <laughs> Moms That Say Fuck. Um, today, we have an amazing guest. We have Dr. Bev Young. She is the uh, assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry at U of T and uh, is a psychiatrist at Mount uh, Sinai Health Systems. Dr. Young has over 17 years of experience in reproductive mental health. Her clinic practice focuses primarily on women with mental health issues associated with pregnancy, postpartum infertility, and perinatal loss. I want to get that perfectly proper and say the little bio because it's important. Yes, you, you said, it, you said it very well. Cred, woman. You got yeah, cred. Yeah. I can't, you know, when I write it down and yeah. I actually say 17 years doing this, that makes me feel very you look very old. Like you're a very good looking yeah, you young look looking oh, woman. Oh, thank you so much. Good yeah. thing and people Florida can't glow. see me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, my the way I remember it is my youngest is turning 17 this year. Uh-huh. So I know I was pregnant with her when I started doing this, which was actually very interesting. Yeah, tell us Seeing that. Mm-hmm. pregnant patients who are having difficulty with their mental health, and here I am, pregnant myself. And um, yeah, that was very interesting because I identified with a lot of what they were saying. And because she was my second, I sort of felt like I kind of knew what I was doing. I didn't really, but I thought I did. But um, yeah, I mean, I saw a lot of mostly worries and fears and uh, just expectations that these women had. Mm -hmm. And the most interesting thing to me is things have not changed. Really? If anything, they've gone worse. Tell Mm -hmm. me, okay, start from the top. What do you mean things haven't changed? What things? Bubble wrapping our kids, being a perfectionist, wanting everything to be just so, not giving up that control, that high need for control. And, um, you know, it's interesting too, because mums are having kids at later ages now in in North America, especially because we're waiting, we're having our careers and we're waiting, waiting to meet someone, waiting to get married, waiting to have kids. And I think the older we get, the more stuck we are and rigid and controlling and the expectations become even greater and it's harder to give up that control. So we want things to be even more perfect. So I think that as women are having kids at later ages, it's harder to let go of the control and say, you know, kind of, what the fuck? I'm just Mm going to go and do this the best way I can. Instead, they have this idea of how they want things to go. And as we know, it often doesn't go that way. So who who are you seeing? When somebody comes to you, at what point are they seeking Dr. Bevia when somebody's coming to you? Well, I have to say when I first started... Uh, we were not seeing very many patients at all. So so I would say that we would get maybe one referral a week. And it was mostly someone on the ward who would just 
delivered and she had anxiety or depression or she was crying mm-hmm. and the OBs were worried so she referred she was referred to us right they had one tear they had one tear <laughs> and the doctors were, were like, like we don't know what to what do, do we do what do we do Call doctor yeah because no one is hormonal after delivery yeah. exactly <laughs> exactly but we were only Such getting one referral a week and now we're getting five to ten a day mm-hmm. so I have to say we're getting more preventative, which I like. That's great. Mm. Fantastic, right? So any woman with a history of depression, anxiety, anyone who's on medication, mm-hmm. um, the OBs right away, they see, oh, you've been on med, And they're asking the questions now. They weren't That's asking good. the question. That was most of what I did 17, 18 years ago was educating people how to ask the question. Mm-hmm. And um, now... I think we're seeing a lot of uh, women who will come even before they get pregnant. Oh, I'm on a medication. What do I do about it? During pregnancy, I'm worried about postpartum depression. What do I do to prevent it? Mm-hmm. And I would say that it, it, to me, postpartum depression is so interesting because it's now used as a noun. Postpartum, the adjective yes, is, is used as a noun, right? Exactly. People say, Quite often. Yes. I'm afraid... Yeah. I'm going to have postpartum, postpartum, postpartum right. diabetes, postpartum right. hemorrhage. Right. No, postpartum It's also like a verb, I would say, yes. too. Yeah, like I'm, fe- I'm postpartum, yeah. right? I'm, I'm going yeah. to have post... But what does this mean? Yeah. And the other interesting thing is it's often not depression. So that's the other thing that's really changed in all this okay. time is we're seeing a lot more anxiety. Right. So postpartum depression is actually a misnomer. It's not depression, it's anxiety. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing it in pregnancy. It starts in pregnancy. Right. And how many people do you think that are presenting with true postpartum anxiety or depression during pregnancy or postpartum that weren't already, like they probably would have met criteria already pre-pregnancy? Do you know that we get referrals all the time and we ask specifically, what's your history? What's your past psych history? And of course, mm-hmm. the OBs love the OBs, but sometimes they're a little clueless. We never get a history, right? It's always no past psych history. Right. There is always yeah. That's a what I'm past. asking. Because all, all the moms that I know, because I see a lot of very stressed out moms, new moms uh, and dads, and a lot of anxiety kind of issues. And I'm not diagnosing them. That's not my job, but I can tell that they're diagnosable. And I don't think they became anxious when they were pregnant or postpartum. They might've accentuated it, but they're mm-hmm. probably already anxious people right. that then you added in the stress of pregnancy, delivery, right. So that's mostly what it is. Yeah. So it's something that we would term something like a generalized anxiety disorder. I call them general worriers. I don't yeah. like to give labels, but they're just general worriers, the, right. the, the worried well. And they go about their day-to-day. And actually, these women are really, a lot of them are very successful mm-hmm. because anxiety is a motivator. and uh, It fuels them to do more stuff. Exactly. And they're... Um, uh, they're they're getting things done. They're pr- uh, productive. Are they they're type motivated. A's? Very type A. Yeah. So that's one of my favorite. Yeah, yeah, perfectionist. One of my favorite questions right. is: uh, Do you have a high need for control? Are you a perfectionist? And if they're honest with me, they'll say yes. And the other interesting thing is the professions we're seeing. So, do you want to guess what the number one profession of women we see it? Physicians. No, terrible at diagnosing and treating oh, really? themselves. Terrible. Probably very. Few. We tend to have poor insight. I would poor, say. Yeah, hmm. that's true. Yeah. I thought it was going to be very un- ironic. I was hoping for that. Yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> okay. Sorry to disappoint you. Okay. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot out Dean, there. That, what do you think? What do you Lawyers? think? Lawyers? Good. 
good at mm-hmm. second. Some I would kind of say. professionals. And again, I don't want to generalize, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying it's it's the women who are perfectionists, who yeah. are rigid, type A, list makers, high need for control, mm-hmm. need to be organized, mm-hmm. teachers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nurses too. Mm-hmm. But a lot of teachers. And because those are the women who are very organized and um, and structured. And the other yes. interesting thing is... I see teachers and daycare workers and, I mean, even women who've been babysitters and or have lots of nieces and nephews, and they think, I'm going to be so great with kids. I have so mm-hmm. much experience. It's going to be, be so the easy. Best. It's going to be so, I'm the best mom, yeah. right? I'm going to be the best mom. Yeah. And they have their own kid and they totally fall apart because yeah. it's different when it's your own. It is not the same thing. Being good with kids is not being, exactly. and they're probably yeah. excellent moms, but they probably have this expectation, as you said at the beginning, yeah. to be like that it's going to be this overwhelmingly amazing experience. Elena and I have spoken about this before, how when we had our first, it wasn't this, ah, everything is perfect. And, you know, it's exactly what I envisioned it. I don't even know what I envisioned mommyhood to be, to be honest. I knew I wanted to have kids, but then breastfeeding sucked Mm. you know delivery wasn't very much fun for me I was studying for my board exam like it really wasn't a fun you know um mat leave kind of experience and uh it makes you feel shitty about yourself right because it's not it's not this amazing perfect right but there's that expectation that it should be yes and that starts and that you not complain too like right like especially as a physician as as a pediatrician at the time or a training pediatrician I should be just so thankful that he was healthy and like he wasn't like a kid that needed to be seen at the kids. There's like this weirdness when you're a pediatrician, like that he was well. Um, anyway, it wasn't this amazing experience. I, I, and I've said before, I didn't, I don't love the first three or four months of any of my kids' lives. And I, and I adore my children. And obviously, I keep having kids. I like kids. Um, <laughs> but I don't enjoy the first couple of months. I find it very stressful. I and actually always said if I could be given an uh, 18-month-old, mm. and I know some people can't say, yeah. well, yeah. that too, that, that too. No, 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 not, yeah. not, 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 that could be a whole other can of worms. But okay. an 18-month-old and skip the whole yeah. Especially the infancy, but some people love it, right? They yes. love the cuddling. I do, I do right love it, but I also really like to like it. pass it off. No, I don't love it, and yeah. I see it in my office every day. And God bless those women who are with the babies and they're crying and they're holding them and they're breastfeeding and and rocking them. And I'm like, your baby's really cute, but I'm very happy with yeah. where I'm at with my teens. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm at a fun age too. Like my my little guy is 17 months, and I was like, That's he's such a great person. Such he's a like a real age. person, but yeah. he still sleeps twice a day, and he still sleeps well at nighttime, yeah. and he has conversations with me now. He's like a person. It's big. this is the best. I love it. 15 months to two is like my favorite. Yeah, me too. Yeah, but I have to tell you that you know this this thing you were talking about in terms of um, the feeling like you should be great and you you feel terrible about yourself and you you lack self confidence. I blame other mothers too because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of competition out there and I yes. think that women are often not not honest about it and 100%. not honest about their feelings and not honest about feeling shitty. As a matter of fact. You know, I spoke to a group of pediatricians once and I said, you guys are the ones who should be picking up postpartum depression and mm-hmm. anxiety I agree. because the OB is not seeing them until six weeks postpartum. A lot of them are not seeing family doctors or midwives. So really it's up to the pediatrician who's following the baby to, to see how the mom is doing. And they said, what are you talking about? The moms are dressing up to go to the pediatrician. This is true. Right? This is true. They're putting on makeup. Yes. So often their first time out of the house, they want to look good for the doctor. They shower. For the other moms. They put on makeup. They, this is, that's a real thing. That's a really yeah, real I thing. I think the first time I ever saw, I'm postpartum, like very 
postpartum. Uh, my kid's not four months old yet. So, um, my second, but when I, my first, when I started seeing Kulik, um, when I walked into that clinic before it was your clinic, when I walked to the other clinic, I was totally intimidated, but I also had a midwife and had a home birth and stuff like that. So I hadn't walked into any clinics or been in anything medical at all and feeling completely overwhelmed in that waiting room and feeling like, holy fucking shit, this is a scene and I am not just for the occasion. So, um, I think that's, I think that rings hyper true in my own experience. My gut intuition is probably, that's a very honest and fair assessment is that new moms and first time moms are just saying I'm okay or everything's okay. I'm okay. And the ones I'm who okay. maybe are anxiety driven are the ones who do come from a place. And I say this a lot, like I meet a lot of moms and I would push back a little bit to say that I think the dialogue's changing now. I mean, I'm a big advocate for people being extremely real with what they're feeling and what they're thinking and that loneliness and isolation are leading factors of these sorts of things. But when it comes to that early stages of motherhood, when you get hit by the Mack truck and you want to fucking die and no one tells you that you want to fucking die and that it's okay that you feel that way. Um, but you should get help if you really feel like you want to die or kill your kid and stuff like that. Um, I think there's a very interesting, uh, conversation to be had. And I think I just lost my thought cause I've had too much scotch already. Fuck. What was I going to say? What <laughs> was I going with that? You think, such are, you think people are talking more about it? I think people are talking more about I it. I hope yeah. they are. They I are. Um, they are. The yeah, conversation these so. days are like, people are like, let's talk real for a sec. Or this is like, I think some is, people are open to that, but I, I do feel that there's a, so, you know, what you talking about screening, we, I personally, in my practice, every, all the pediatricians in my practice, we do in Edinburgh for all moms. So like the postpartum screen at one month of age for moms. And I don't see moms. I mean, I see moms, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm taking care of their children. Um, I have for years now given a one month postpartum screen to the mother of the baby that comes in at the one month visit mm-hmm. and on every lactation visit as well, because I want to see, because I, I, my thought and my plan is to do a study on this. My thought is that moms that are coming in with significant breastfeeding difficulty or latching difficulty who are seeing our lactation team have uh, even more significantly In- reduced increased, increased risk increased. of postpartum yes, and, and you know, a, a more of a red flag. And actually we are finding that when absolutely. we screen them when they come in and we screen them when they come back a week or two later and it's yeah. improved and that's like amazing. Right. Just some lactation help and support and being heard and that sort of thing. Um, but we do do screen everyone and I've sent quite a few moms uh, to get postpartum help and it's often the moms that are presenting themselves in this like most fake way that are screening positive. Right. Like you wouldn't know it if I just walk up to you because they're made up and they right. showered and they're wearing pretty clothing and they're presenting themselves or they're faking until they make it. Right. And they're probably also faking until they make it with their friends as well. And everything's great and it's all good, even though they're not doing well. So I'm glad you brought up the breastfeeding because I would love hmm. to talk about this. Cool. Yeah, and please. I'm going to be... Uh, someone from heaven is going to throw daggers at me. And I think it's the lactation consultants who are all about breastfeeding and breast is best. And uh, I, I think when it works, breastfeeding is great, but when it doesn't, it's terrible. And actually people say to me, why do you think uh, the prevalence of postpartum depression is so high right now? And I think, first of all, we're asking the questions. And I think it's yeah. not that it's so high, it's just it was always there, just yeah. we weren't asking the right questions. So it's being picked up a lot more readily nowadays. But I think things like getting, I'll say, kicked out of the hospital mm-hmm. after a day post-vaginal delivery, mm-hmm. after two days post-C-section woman's clueless what the hell's going on right. but also the and breast feel feeding. shitty physically and feel, you feel shitty physically yeah. but i think the breastfeeding pressure the breastfeed is 
humongous and there's so much anxiety associated mm-hmm. and I think there's it. a lot of competition too Tons like there's of something about like oh I've never given Tons kids formula com- like I, I'm exclusively breastfeeding yeah, there's something exactly, to and, and I'm exactly. someone who has exclusively breastfed three kids like I, I get I get that actually the I think the lowest point in my whole life was breastfeeding my first he was a terrible feeder I didn't have enough milk super stressful experience I was on medication and herbs and pumping and tube feeding and supplementing and I was feeding all night long every hour for like the first few months it was really really terrible I tell families all the time it was the hardest thing I've ever done it was harder than exams harder than like fellowship residency emerge work really the hardest thing I've ever done but I was obsessed with breastfeeding That's him. That's the problem. I was obsessed with it. It becomes and, an obsession. And I wasn't anxious and so I was wasn't I. depressed. I would say if you ask 10 yeah. women, eight would have the exact same experience and yeah. the two felt like failures who didn't. Right. I yes. would say that's the reality. Yeah. Oh, and... 100% by entire identity was defined by my breastfeeding. Hmm. So like 100%, if it's me and Dina... It's probably everybody. And I insight into it. I like really had insight into it. I was like, I'm crazy about this and there's no reason. Like I Mm -hmm. I was already giving him formula. I was like, who cares if I just give him formula? I wanted to be successful at it. There was something about my perfectionistic, you know, fear of failure. Mm -hmm. If you can't breastfeed, what does that say about yourself? And and I like tissue consultants that told me you will not be successful at breastfeeding. And I was like, fuck you. I'm going to prove you wrong. Mm, Right. And so it became like a challenge of Mm. sorts. I remember actually you telling me in early days with Elias, like, how's it going? I was like, I don't know. I've been starving him for four weeks. Yes. He's obviously not eating. <laughs> yeah. And you were like, and when I kept feeding and it was like 16 months and I was still nursing him, you're like, the moms who have the hard time are the ones who persevere and they just keep going. Yeah, I breastfed when, for 15 months. Right. That, for, that first kid. Yeah. And, I, and then I breastfed uh, exclusively my next three kids and somehow I'd like, I, it was magically a different experience. I don't know if it was my mindset or my body knew more or I was more chill about it or whatever it was, but my first was really, really difficult. And as a result, I am very attuned to breastfeeding challenges and feeding challenges as bombs. And that's why I created this breastfeeding program where VLCs come to my office and and I work with them because I'm so um, aware, hyper aware yeah. that breastfeeding sucks f- at the beginning for most women. Yeah. It's not this, you deliver, you put the baby in the breast, the baby sucks and feeds and gains weight and you go to the doctor and they're so happy and everything's right with the world. I would say 85% of the time, there are significant challenges that are incredibly stressful. So I have a great story about that that I love to tell. I was giving a talk to a, a postpartum mums group, and um, I talked about the stress of breastfeeding and how uh, it's so anxiety provoking, especially at first, and it could lead to postpartum anxiety or depression. And a woman afterwards came up to me and confided in me and said she was at that group the week before, and um, she was the only one she thought in the group who was not breastfeeding. She brings her bottle every week and and feeds her baby a bottle. And the, the the week before, someone had another mom had pulled out a bottle, and she thought, "Oh wow, another mom's bottle feeding. That's so great." Assuming it was with formula, and she very openly said, "This is pumped milk." Exactly. Yeah, because she it's said, like this badge "I of honor. pumped today," and sort of showed off her pumped milk in the bottle. Don't judge me. This is not formula. Like as if some other people are judging. And after the class the woman actually confronted her and said, I just have to tell you that was so hurtful to me and good for her for saying that. The woman said, oh, it's it's formula. It's not breast milk. So she actually felt the need 
to lie mm-hmm. and to pretend it was pumped milk. I mean, that really says something yeah. about God. the competition. Honestly, Bev, so you know my, my business, I'm totally into combating all of this bullshit. Like, uh, I we, I'm in the do. business I of changing the conversation uh, you know and the paradigm. I do it in what I do, yeah. but I do it one patient right. at a time, one And I do 10,000 people on Instagram Good every day. You. Because Good I'm like, you. this is fucking bullshit. It's like, such bullshit. I don't care. And like saying, I just started an article, I think yesterday, saying that Fed is best, our breast is best, or is like simplifies as such a complicated, fucked up mm-hmm. conversation. And uh, it's it's a really, really challenging, nuanced thing. And women yeah. don't know. You know what? I actually once applied for a medical um, competition after I had my son to come up with an innovative strategy to like train women who are who are pregnant about what lactation, like what breastfeeding feels like. It was called the sucker actually. Hmm. And it was like a thing that you put on your tit, like 38 weeks post, like when you're about to have your kid two weeks before to like get your nipples ready for what a latch feels like. Because I think to, for a lot of women, that's the biggest shock. It's not only the all the things that happen, but the actual pain that actually happens from from I, I would love to having. know how you mimic that. I love when right. I hear women go to yeah. these prenatal classes and they bring a doll yeah. mm-hmm. to practice breastfeeding. <laughs> and I just love that. That is the that. biggest bunch of bullshit yeah. I've ever heard. Because right. how do you practice breastfeeding yeah. with a doll? You and have no idea. It's interesting. So when I went to, I had midwives for both of my kids. And my second time I went, she, I was like, listen, I'm feeling bluesy already. It's like 20 weeks. And I'm like, how the fuck am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. I can't do this. So she's like, I'm going to sign you up now for the women's college hospital stuff. So it's like the repercussions are being put in place. I find like much earlier because people are saying like, I feel bluesy right now. And I'm like nervous. This is going to happen. So I went through the women's college, uh, the reproductive uh, life stage. I did. Program. I went through yeah. the. I went through the program when I was like for the last twenty weeks of my pregnancy. I met a. It was the first time in my life, to be honest, I've ever met with a psychiatrist. It was this experience, and I was like, yeah, I'm like, I'm okay, like in comparison to most people. But it was a really interesting and I think healthy experience to be like, I'm going to go through this clinical, um, patient. Um, very nice. It was a very nice experience. Mm. Maybe it was and all helpful. That. Maybe, glad it, maybe it, was. it made you less yeah. likely to actually maybe have postpartum after because maybe. you had more awareness. Or yeah, I don't know. I was hyper aware of the fact that I didn't want it to happen. And I remember what I was going to say before, guys. I don't feel like an idiot anymore. I was going to say a lot of moms I meet are women that I meet who are type A who haven't failed very much in life who've like gotten you know the boy gotten the job is like skinny blonde bitch no offense dina i always say that um but (laughs) it's like when they hit motherhood they're the ones who get hit extremely hard because they haven't really failed a lot in life and they haven't really ever gotten not gotten what they've wanted and perhaps things have come to them quite easily or with hard work but when it comes to parenting there's no handbook it is the macbook it's the greatest equalizer i find and that's why there's no sisterhood like motherhood not to say there's a universal truth that i love all moms that's not the truth and we're not all going to get along i wish it was a sisterhood i I find it it was i I, 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 I would like to believe i think i'm we're trying and i'm revolutioning i'm trying i I, I would like to be on you don't feel like that with that no unfortunately i see the you still um, see it I see, I don't know, just the competition yeah. and uh, how it's the stay-at-home moms versus the working moms and mm-hmm. there's so much judgment out there. I do want to go back to mm-hmm. what you said about your first time seeing a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. And I have to say a lot of the women I see, it is their first time. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I love doing what I do do is because often in a woman's life, she's needed to see someone as we we talked about mm-hmm. before. Most of these women have a history. It's just not picked up. But this is the first time in her life when she wants to get help because mm-hmm. it's not just about her. Mm-hmm. She needs to get help 
for her and the baby. Mm-hmm. So are you finding that moms are self-referring, like they see a big yes, issue? Yes, n- more moms are other saying, people yes, I'm saying not doing your partner's well. being like, yes. you got to go. Yes. They're feeling it. Yes. They're seeking care. Hmm. Well, that's good. So that's good to know. They mm-hmm. might not be sharing it with their friends and saying, you know, uh, pregnancy actually really sucks or I hate my baby, I hate my life. But right. I think to come out and say, you know what, I got to get better because it's not just about me. Right. There's got to be a lot of guilt around that too, right? Like not, Tons of not loving it and feeling so shitty. Much guilt. And it starts, I always say motherhood equals guilt and it starts in pregnancy. Yeah. Right? Because you're looking at trying to control what's going on and you feel guilty over eating the wrong type of cheese. I learn every mm. day what... That's all bullshit. What you should eat and shouldn't eat, right? I eat everything. I eat sushi. I agree. I, agree. I totally agree. I eat sips eat whatever of alcohol. Whatever the fuck you want. I yeah. totally agree. Yeah, I did everything. The risk Except of that stuff Coke, is so... Yeah, I didn't do heroin. I didn't do heroin. I didn't do heroin. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. Wait, stay, drugs yeah. are bad. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do drugs. I'm kidding. Don't do drugs. in pregnancy. That was a joke. Yeah, I ate all this stuff. I didn't care. Around around the breastfeeding thing, I say to moms all the time, and I hope this works. I feel like some women, they feel better about it. There's not great evidence that 100% breastfeeding versus 50% breastfeeding versus 10% breastfeeding is any different for the baby. Breast milk is good for babies. Whether they get an ounce a day or exclusive, breast milk is good for babies. And if it makes you feel better or gives you a life or lets you have more sleep or makes you feel mentally better Mm -hmm. about offering some bottles during the day and having your partner help care for the kid, do that. Mm -hmm. Because we don't know that 100% is better. We don't. We actually don't. And I have women coming to me and saying... Mm. I was so anxious every time I breastfed mm-hmm. that I, I, I didn't I didn't like feeding my yeah, baby. Mm-hmm. I didn't even like my baby. And if I would have just spent that time enjoying <clears throat> the baby and playing with the baby yes. and give a bottle and let the baby be fed and yeah. let the baby grow and I don't have to worry about the growth and the development mm-hmm. and just be there and enjoy my baby, I would have been so much happier. I would if I had known. Yeah, I mean, hindsight's totally. twenty twenty, but. Yeah. It, I, I, want, topic, I want moms to enjoy the experience and whatever know, that yes. is going to be for you, do that, <clears throat> enjoy that experience. Tina, I love what you just said because it's so interesting. I find I'm, I'm in public a lot with new moms, a lot. And I often breastfeed my gigantic, enormous breasts in public and I don't cover. And I often find women are looking at me and I wonder if they're thinking I'm showing off because I'm just like whipping out my tit and I can do it anywhere. But oh, often I have women say to me like, mm. oh, 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 you breastfeed. And I was like, and as soon as they say that, I was like, yeah, I mean, obviously your story is different than mine because I can t- I can tell in their tone. But like when I started Moms To as like a movement for revolutioning motherhood and maternity leave and all these conversations we're having, all these conversations for me were so jarring in those early days. And that's why I was like, we got to nail, we got to hit this right on the head right now. So like, um, we have a standard that like all moms are welcome. Like bring your BYOB, bring your boobs, your bottles, your babies. That's, that's what we true. say. It doesn't really matter how you feed your baby. Um, but I wonder sometimes now when I do breastfeed publicly if people think I'm showing off because my tits out all the time. Right. But I would hmm. say, why can't there be this global acceptance and people do things differently? Yeah. And again, it's, it's, it's about uh, understanding <laughs> that not everyone's coming at this the same way. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, it's a little different because I look at the mental health and I want to make sure that the breastfeeding is actually a positive thing for them and the baby and their mental health, not being something that's actually interfering with their sleep, for instance, which could uh, greatly increase their risk for depression, anxiety, and even more serious underlying illnesses. I think that's the the second piece, like the the complicated piece of, of breastfeeding, but sleeping. You know, you yeah, know, sleep is pregnancy huge. sucks for sleep, and then you yeah. deliver, and it gets worse, mm-hmm. a lot worse. 
uh, and then you feel shittier. And it's you usually as the mom who's breastfeeding or even not, that's the one who's up more often at night. You know, even if your partner's super, super helpful, it's the moms that are up more often. So I always get the partner to come in uh, about a month before her due date. And I, I, I get the parents in my office and I say, this is what you have to do to prevent postpartum depression, anxiety. And I always say... Uh, you need, if you're going to breastfeed, you want to breast, oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to try. They always say, I'm going to try, I'm going to do my best. And I say, great, hopefully it works out and everything's fine, but you need to give a bottle as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. And uh, not only do you need to give it, but your partner has to give it. Mm -hmm. And then you need to tag team at night. Mm -hmm. So that is my best advice to everyone. And Mm -hmm. I say, I don't care if you pump or give formula. I always say formula is not evil. Then they'll say, but we were told you can't breastfeed for the first three months because of nipple confusion. Bullshit. Total bullshit. Thank you. From the pediatrician. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what I feel about nipple confusion when you're done your, your So um, I, the, the most important thing is to tag team. So yeah. let's say she is breastfeeding. She can feed the baby, pass the baby off. Let the partner, let the partner. That's mm-hmm. a whole other that's conversation. Mm-hmm. Capital L-E-T. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Give up the control. Yeah. Allow your partner to care for the baby. Give a bottle for the next feed, you miss a feed and then uh, the baby is asleep. The, the, your partner could put the baby back to sleep next to you and you miss a feed and you wake up and gorge. So you breastfeed on one breast at the next feed and then you pump the other and at least you get a longer stretch of sleep. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. Yes. That that was actually life-changing for us. So even with my for my first, we didn't do this with my last, and that was a mistake. I don't know why we didn't. I think it was the control thing. Even though I'm really not a control freak, I, I actually let Andrew do a lot of the childcare, um, and I think that's why my mental health is actually pretty good because I'm all about self care. And you have I'm to, all about self care too. To allow your partner yeah. to I, take. I, I, I want to come back to actually the whole self care thing, like mm-hmm. the whole self care isn't selfish thing. That's like mm-hmm, my movement. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. women should exercise if it makes them feel good. Mm-hmm. Go on dates with their partner. Go mm-hmm. see their friends. Have a glass of wine. Do something that makes you feel good because you should feel good still, even though you had children, mm. especially since you had children. Um, but my my husband would give a bottle at like nine or 10 or something like that. So I'd go to bed at like seven or eight and then he would do that next bottle. Mm-hmm. It was typically in another milk. room so you can sleep. And I always oh, yeah, say, not with me. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I was say in the put in earplugs, put a noise totally. machine on, whatever it takes so that you're not earplugs. listening. Totally. I yeah. was not involved. I was not involved. I would go to bed. He would do the feed. If I woke up in between, I would pump for 10 minutes or something, but he would have done the feed, the changing, the rocking, the putting back down. And then the next time the baby woke up, then I would feed. And so I got a four or five hour stretch, which right. is life changing yeah, when you have a newborn life changing. And I have no idea why, but I did not do that with my fourth. I was like, I'm just going to do it. It's okay. I'm fine. And I went back to work at two weeks with Austin. Like I was working and like I brought him to work with me. He still comes to work with me. And, uh, and I did all the feeds always. He basically never gave bottles. I have no idea why. He must have been a chill baby, though. It's hard to do that with a colicky baby, to work with a colicky uh, baby who's crying. Uh, no, well, I've been, and actually Andrew came with me for the first uh, couple of weeks. Yeah, he was pretty chill. Yeah, but not the easiest. We just made it work. I was, it was a fourth time for me. We were like pros already. But yeah, having that long stretch of sleep is life-changing. Yeah, so sleep. Even if that means, even if you're exclusively breastfeeding, you still pump, like I would pump twice, even three times after a feed in the morning to have that milk to give to Andrew, to give that bottle, but it's also totally okay to do formula. Um, so my thoughts around um, uh, nipple confusion. I don't believe that babies care if it's a soother or a bottle or a breast. What I do believe to be true, though, is that if babies get it very easily, milk very easily from a bottle, 
that they may not be as happy going in a breast where they have to work harder. So I don't think they're confused. They're just like, bottle feeding is easy and breastfeeding is difficult. So some babies, not commonly, but some babies are fuck the breast because bottle feeding is easier. Hmm. So for babies that if you offer the breast and then you offer a bottle and then they're not happy going back on the breast, I tell moms who want to exclusively breastfeed, focus more on breastfeeding for a couple of weeks and then retry the bottle mm-hmm, again mm-hmm. because you don't want them to love the, bre- the bottle and then not like the breast. This is very uncommon in my experience. Mm-hmm. Like 5% of babies don't want to go back mm-hmm. on the breast. Probably um, more commonly is they're breastfeeding, they're breastfeeding, and then they want to introduce a bottle. And then they don't want it. Right. Yes. So so for that reason, exactly, I offer a bottle early, whether they're planning on breastfeeding or, or formula being like offering the bottle early, my own self, we did it within like a week or two for all my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and do it regularly. So, you know, once a day or once every couple of days. But if you don't do it regularly, then babies often really do have a preference for mom and they don't want the bottle and mm. then the partner can't help right. and they're feeling stuck and that leads to a lot of resentment right. and right. then they can't have their fun out with themselves or they don't want to have a drink or they don't have spicy food or whatever it is that... Um, that they want to be doing because they're so stuck to the baby. And I think that's not good. That's not good for the breastfeeding relationship. So I'm all about early bottles, even exclusively breastfeeding. But uh, but I think that nipple confusion is bullshit. Yeah, I do too. I'm glad we're all in agreement. Moms that say nipple <laughs> confusion, bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. 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 And give bullshit. a soother. Give a soother. Yeah. Your, your breast is not a pacifier. 100%. Yeah. Yes. Oh God, yeah. my, my, my daughter found her thumb. This like, uh, yeah. thank oh, the fucking Lord. Yeah. Life-changing. No, praise Jesus, honestly. Yeah. Like it is yeah. unbelievable. I, I, I forced my kids. It's the best kids. thing for self-soothing. I tried. I have to I tried say to I forced for, my kids. I, I tried to force my son. It didn't happen. The, I had disaster with my son. But my he daughter. He likes the soother though, doesn't he? No, or I he forced did. it for six months. And then when I slept trained him, I took the soother away. Right. And with her, it was like week nine. She was like... <laughs> I was like, fuck oh, yeah. And now it's like, great. she puts herself to sleep. Amanda Justin, who is my favorite sleep consultant, we had her a few episodes ago. She said something on this show that resonated with me so deeply. And I was like, yes, that's the sage advice I need. And she's just like, with newborns, you have to put them down a hundred times a day. So just put them down awake and see what happens. I was like, that is a good idea for my yeah, get down awake. So hard. And now my kid sleeps. She puts her sleep. To- I'm sleeping. Amazing. I'm sleeping that's at least seven hours a night. That's great. So, and I'm not showing off. It's but, because I'm listening to advice. And yes. Not, mm-hmm. you but know, a lot of women myself. are afraid to harm their kids. Right. It's again, Mm. it comes back to this idea of being a perfect mom. And that means Mm -hmm. you can't harm your kid. And that means you can't let your kid cry. Mm -hmm. And if you let your kid cry too long, he's going to have an aneurysm. I mean, I'm sure you've heard all this as a pediatrician. Aneurysm. People People think you're going to harm the kid. Yeah. I mean, aneurysm, seizure, they're going to get scarred, emotionally scarred. Yeah. Yeah. Vocal cord problems. But yeah, the emotional thing is the biggest. Like, you're going to fuck them up forever. There's so much nonsense. If you Google like sleep training cried out, you'll find all this nonsense about psychological damage and mm-hmm. cortisol rising and how you're really going to permanently fuck them up. And that's mm-hmm. such utter bullshit. And there's a lot of studies that refute this. It sounds like those parents are going to fuck up their kids anyways. Aren't wow. we all going to fuck up our kids? Like, it's like it's <laughs> yeah, I, that's yeah. what I just say. You have, you have 18 years up. to fuck up It doesn't your matter. Kid. We're just going to fuck gonna up our happen, kids. It's going to happen regardless. Right? I, I mean, sure. I think to teach their own. You don't have to sleep train if you don't want to sleep train. Right. But most people want their kid to sleep well. And that, that guilt factor about letting your kid cry, if... If you get over that, which at some point people do, like they may not do it at four months, they may do it at eighteen months or can I do it at four years. months? 
Yeah, totally. Oh, what do so you say the earliest? You say the earliest four is four months after the regression or during. The regression is going to continue. It's not like a regression that is then over and then keep kids self soothe again. They don't. Right. So you might have a great the regression thing is this: babies that sleep well, like yeah. Essa, who then suddenly start start sleeping poorly again. Mm-hmm. That's a regression. What most people call the regression is they've always slept shitty. They still do it for months. <laughs> They're regressing. True. And I'm like, no, <laughs> you fed them every two hours <laughs> right. for four months right. and yeah. you still do. Yeah. And it's just reverting to like, you know, getting rid of whatever sleep associations they have, which is typically like a breast, right? right? You don't want your 15 month old, two year old and anywhere in between and beforehand soothing on the breast all night long. That's not healthy. God, when I meet Why does someone are, think that's When healthy? I meet moms who are still at my events that we do, we do a lot of events, by the way. Um, we have hundreds of people coming every month, maybe thousands now. Um, when I meet women who have toddlers who are still up three times a night soothing with breast milk, I'm, I, my heart like breaks for them. So I have a cautionary tale tell and me. I tell all my patients, let's this. tell all our listeners go. So I had a patient come and see me, two year old daughter, still breastfeeding through the night comes in. She says, I can't believe it. I took my daughter to the dentist. She has 12 cavities. Mm-hmm. I said, of course she does, because you're still breastfeeding her through the night and there's sugar in the breast milk and it's sitting in her mouth all night long. She goes, why didn't you tell me that? I said, of course I told you. I tell all my patients that you just didn't want to listen. So now Mm -hmm. I make sure to tell the story of the two-year-old with the 12 cavities. Mm -hmm. It is not good for the baby, Mm -hmm. just like it's not good for the baby to wake up five times a night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Babies need to sleep through. It's good for them. Mm-hmm. It's good for your brain to have long stretches of consolidated sleep. I say, mm-hmm. I say to moms, you feel shitty waking up every two hours. Right. Your baby also feels shitty waking up every two hours, but they don't know how to settle themselves back down, right? They don't have those tools yet. But independence and ability to self-soothe is a necessary thing to learn as a child. Why are we delaying that, that has to be taught at some point, right? But I also have five and six-year-olds in the practice that also can't sleep by themselves and are still waking multiple times a night. And that's not, it's not being a good parent, in my experience, to continue to reinforce that in whatever ways. Well, of course, because not only is it bad for the kid, but it's bad for them. And what about their relationship? Mm -hmm. What about the five-year-old who's still sleeping in bed? And the partner is is not in the bed. The partner's Mm -hmm. in the kid, in the five-year-old's bed. Totally, yeah. Or on the floor or on the couch. Right, so where's the relationship? My husband slept on the floor this weekend. I felt so bad. We were my parents' house and it was like a littler bed, like my childhood bed. And I woke up and he was on the fucking floor. And Essa, who's three and a half months old, was rolled out sleeping for eight hours. And my husband's like a big guy. And it feels so bad. You know what? And, and if the partners want to do that, that's up to them. But the women who I see need to have good night's sleep. Yeah. And preferably without uh, a toddler in the bed. Yeah. And preferably with their partner in the bed. Yeah, I mean, that's it. there are big issues with relationships nowadays. Well, because we, we talk about that a lot too. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think when the baby problem. becomes everything. Yeah. And the partner leaves. It's not good for the baby either, because baby and kids are happiest when parents are happiest. Right. And if you're right. not sleeping together and probably not talking that much together, and you're so exhausted, you probably bicker more. Yeah, yeah. And you probably don't have mm-hmm. sex anymore. Right. And you certainly don't have dates anymore. Yeah. All those things are also not good for your baby. It's um, a really hard time, man. Like yeah. it doesn't matter what it is and how you slice it, or how, if you have all the recipes or all the physicians or all the advice. It's a fucking hard time. It's you know? so hard. It's so hard. And I think we need to acknowledge that. Like people, I think people are trying to figure it out. I think people are so misguided and there's so much misunderstanding and women are, women are complicated 
And you're just trying to do the best thing that you can do. You know, it's funny you say that because I don't like telling people what I do because, Mm -hmm. I don't know, then they say, oh, you're a psychiatrist, I better not talk to you. You're going to analyze me. Mm -hmm. But when I do say I'm a postpartum uh, perinatal psychiatrist, then women always have stories. So uh, when I see moms with babies, obviously, uh, you know, on Mm -hmm. on, uh, in public, I don't go up and and tell them what I do. But (laughs) I was actually on the plane uh, a few days days ago and there was a woman with a baby, a young baby on the plane and the baby was so cute. And she was right next to me and I said, oh, your baby's adorable. How old? And she told me four months. And I said, isn't it so hard? Mm-hmm. It's so hard. And I would never say what I do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here's my card if you need it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need more patients. But I think I think again. I think we just have to be honest right, about it. it and it's to validate so that it kind of yeah, it's fucking hard. Yeah, so cute, yeah. but so hard. Honestly, Bab, I love this conversation so much because I think there's so much, and you're 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 a very you're a seasoned professional dealing with the most. Oh, I, think, I have lots of stories. Like, like the most, I think yeah. this is the most pivotal time in a woman's life. Yeah. My midwife, actually, who was quite young, said to me on day four, coming to see me, and midwifery, midwifery cure to me is like, maybe some of the solution to this stuff, to be honest, you have your baby at home. I'll, I'll agree and with you. Yes. I, I think that they provide a lot of care, especially yes. in the first six weeks okay, postpartum. Okay, so day one, and day three, long. day five, right. day two seven, two baby. Yeah. That's okay. right. That's Someone amazing. came to my house five times before I left the yeah, house, right? Amazing. And they were saying, how are you today? Every yeah. single time. How's your mood? Right. And I broke down crying. It was day four. I want yeah. to fucking die. And she's like, I'm just letting you know. And she was so smart and so young and so wise. She's like, three times a woman's body changes dramatically and things change. Puberty, when they become a mother, which is called mistrescence, which is that new thing that people say, and and, and menopause. Mm-hmm. Your body just grew mm-hmm. and delivered a human. Your tits are now engorging. You're allowed to be a little bit fucked right now. Just you're allowed. I was like, okay, that's all I need to hear. And, I love that. And normalizing yeah. it. Right. But also when it's beyond what is in the normal realm. Mm-hmm. So when women are not sleeping mm-hmm. because of anxiety, even though the baby's sleeping or the women are depressed and not enjoying the baby. Right. Um, I think it's important to let them know as I do. And right. one of the reasons I love what I do is because I can say to women, you will get better. Mm-hmm. I can promise you, you will get better. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And it's so fulfilling. And so, of course, they have to do whatever I tell them to do in right. order to get better. And they <laughs> right. don't always. But I see the change and I see how... Uh, how women, again, are motivated, yeah. right? They're motivated. They want to be well. They're going to do whatever they can to help themselves and their babies. And um, I think it's 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 really satisfying. But but there has to be changes and you have to work at it. So so what are your biggest recommendations? So I, I, I'd love to come to like welcome partners and parents. Yeah, like what's your secret sauce, Dr. Bev? Do, but what do you Tell suggest us. to them? So, okay. So uh, I would say number one is sleep. It's probably my biggest lecture, and I'm going to call it a lecture because women really need to be educated, and uh, there has to be a lot of reinforcement about how important it is for her to sleep, for the baby to sleep, for the partner to sleep, and that has to happen as soon as possible. So I'm actually a very strong proponent of sleep training. I also don't believe in this 
I'm going to take three weeks to sleep train my kid. I, I assume you've talked about this with the sleep training expert, but my personal opinion from a mental health perspective is rip the bandaid off. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm I, obviously there's going to be boundaries and limits and the baby has to be of a certain age, but um, I really believe that it's not going to happen without crying. So people say, I don't want to hear my baby cry. I don't want my baby to throw up. And I say, your baby's going to cry till he throws up and you're going to go and change him and you're going to leave the room again. That doesn't happen that much, by the way. What, the throwing up? People are so afraid of throwing up. I know, people are scared of it. It's not that common. It's not that common. Uh, It's it's common. You know, it's it's common in in toddlers. Toddlers sometimes do it. The kids that like take it up a notch and up a notch. Those are like the manipulative kind of kids that like know how to make themselves puke. But babies very, very very rarely in less than one year old vomit. Parents are very stressed about it. My dad in 75 says to me, I don't know what the problem is. No baby died from crying. Like it is. I I say that too. But I say that too. Your baby is not going to die from crying. Right. They're so, more like weeds and flowers. They're very hard to kill. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Yes. Yeah. So, and like most of us have video monitors on them anyway. Like you can see well, the Well, okay. hold on. I have a problem with monitors too. Mm, I don't I'm, have one. I say turn the monitor off. So I don't mind the video ones yes. because as long as you don't see the light, oh, you I, can I click hear my it on. Screaming. No, I put your but, No, in. no, no. But people have the monitor on and I say, are you on a different floor? No, my baby's right next door. We share a wall. Don't you think if your baby's crying, you're going to hear? Well, I don't know. I would never try it. <laughs> What if I didn't wake up? Trust me, if you hear your baby crying, you're going to wake up. Our battery stopped dying. We bought the cheapest one from like, like that was refurbished and it died after three months. We never replaced it. That was the best thing that that happened to you. That was awesome. We don't need to see it at all. Right. We've had some issues, but besides that, it's been quite good. Or those monitors, those uh, heartbeat monitors. Those aren't evidence-based anyway. Those, so like angel care kind of things. Yeah. Those Mm -hmm. things actually freak me out. So what those things are, it's like a pad you put underneath the baby, like underneath the sheet and it detects the heart rate, quote unquote. And so if baby's heart rate is going down, like they're marketed as preventing sudden infant death. They don't do that at all. There's actually very good studies that show they do not in any way decrease the risk of sudden infant death. In fact, the one study showed there's more sudden infant death, which is not related. It was random probably. But what they do do is drive parents crazy. crazy false alarms. False alarms constantly. So there's something called periodic breathing. Babies, normal baby babies breathe fast and then hold their breath and slow. And so it's like... <sighs> normal baby breathing when they do that low um it's called apnea or like the holding the breath part Mm -hmm. it rings off so they ring off constantly. <laughs> they drive parents oh, crazy constantly, oh and and yet it doesn't actually prevent sins. Turn it sense. off. Oh my God. Get rid, turn it of off. Those Get rid of the monitors. They're not helpful. They're not They'll make you us, Dana, batty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with that. They're okay with that. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Andrew Carr done. Yeah. Um, similarly, actually, some parents buy monitor monitors mm-hmm. and they like put like a toe thing on. Have you seen any of these oh, parents? Oh no. Yeah. So no. I've had they won't admit it to me though. They probably won't. I have some. No, no. Like they like they go on Amazon and they buy like saturation monitors like I would use wow. in the hospital or like in the clinic and they put them on their toes they're looking for the heart rate and they have like an app that goes to their phone and tells you if the heart rate oh goes down God. guys first of all those are not evidence-based second mm. of all they don't prevent sits at all they'll make you crazy and I don't have every healthy baby on a monitor all the time most babies and adults probably go down in their saturations during the day and that's normal and we're not calling it sun infant death right so yeah those kind of accessories don't use them they'll make uh-huh. you crazy and they don't help so sleep is so important that what I'll often do is if the woman's really sleep deprived, and often it's hard to tell if she even has depression or anxiety mm-hmm. because it could just be sleep deprivation. So totally. sometimes I'll say, okay, let's correct your sleep, but really get you sleeping. 
get your partner to take the baby overnight, go to the basement, again, earplugs, noise machine, fan, whatever it takes, sleep for a good few nights, and then you'll see if your mood changes. So, and, and really sometimes it just is about yeah. sleep. So I, I cannot express how important sleep is. That's my number one. My number two is supports. So yeah. women have a lot of trouble asking for help, especially yeah. Canadian, North American women. Um, actually my patients who do the best are the ones from for instance, Eastern Europe, whose mothers automatically come in Mm -hmm. and care for the baby. Of course, the husbands don't love it. But for the women, it's great because they're caring for the baby, they're caring for them, they're doing the cooking, the cleaning, the washing, the laundry, and um, really it takes a village. But in North America, we think that we can do it all on our own. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think uh, another lecture I give is you got to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Who's around? Who's around who can help you? be creative. You? Or not even ask, but accept it. I feel like a lot of people ask Yes, but a lot of you. people also say, if they don't, they're not offering help. Well, maybe they're not offering because you're giving out the vibe mm-hmm. that you don't want other people's help mm-hmm. or that you want it a certain way yeah. and mm-hmm. they're not going to live up to those standards. Mm-hmm. But even the part, let's start with the partner. Yeah. Yeah, get but, your but I partner. Feel like probably partners often. I mean, in my practice, I find that too. Like the partners often saying, "I want to help. I offer to help. I want to take the baby out, but they don't want me to, or they don't trust me." For like I have a lot of thing. partners right. saying, they they don't defer, trust me." They defer to the yes. to the woman. Yeah, I have to tell you, the greatest thing my husband ever did, and to this day I thank him, is when I was losing it with my kids, and I mean losing it, he would come up to me and say, "Bev, you need to leave. You're going crazy." Yeah. You're losing it. He would be very, and, and I took it. I'm like, you're right, I am. Yeah. <laughs> At least I was able to accept it, acknowledge right. it. Totally. And say, I am going crazy. Yeah. And he said, you have to leave. I yeah. got it. I'm a good dad. And you know what? I trusted him. And I was able to say, yes, I trust you with them. You're great. You go. I am out of here, and that's the greatest yeah. gift he ever mm-hmm. did to me. And you accepted it, and I and accepted then now it, yeah. tr- and then you trusted him next time and next time. Right. So you knew he was good because he had the experience to be good without you on top of him. Yeah. It just takes a few times to like accept the help, and then it becomes yeah. easier. I have right. to tell you, as like I sort of find that often on the podcast, I'm the voice of the people because I'm not. I'm not a medical. I'm just like a regular person with a big mouth. Um, I'm but a regular person. You're a regular person. <laughs> I'm a regular person. We're all, but I mean, like, I'm not a doctor. I'm not an MD. So I find often, like, for me to be honest, the first year of my child's life, I probably didn't leave my husband alone that much with my kid. And to be honest, often I just felt like I could do it better and faster and more you efficient. Can. You and can. I just didn't want him to fuck it up because I know he doesn't know what he's doing. Right. So, but, but when I went away for five days by myself with my girlfriend to LA and left him alone with my son was the best thing I could have right. done for my marriage, my family, right. my kid, everything. And I wish I had done it much sooner. So 100% leave the house. I mean, if that's the life lesson right. that we're leaving today, yeah, leave it's house. like leave, leave the, house. the house and do something for you. Yeah. And that's some right. women say to me, Oh, but there's nothing I want to do. I want to be with my baby. I'm like, that's fucking bullshit. Come on. You're telling me you ha- didn't have a life before. There that's was nothing that you wanted to do before. <laughs> and I say that to them. I'm like, that is bullshit. Come yeah. on. What do you yeah. want to do? If you can do anything right now, what would you do? One of my favorite things, I'm, I'm very blunt with my patients Love and they it. know, and, and, if, they don't, and yeah. if they don't <laughs> like it, they leave me yeah. and that's fine. But I am very blunt. And one of my favorite things to say is when we're talking about leaving the bay with the partners, they'll often say, 
oh, but he doesn't know how to change a diaper and he won't feed the right thing and um, he'll put, he'll, he'll, uh, you know, won't give the bottle and he'll do everything wrong and it won't be the way I would do it. And I say, oh, I'm so sorry. Is your husband a moron? (laughs) And often they start laughing and they say, no, but I'm making into, making Mm -hmm. him into a moron. And it's true. And if you sort of put it like, is your husband an idiot? It's not rocket science. Is he that big an idiot that he can't look after his baby? And the other thing is, it's good for him to bond with the baby. That's Let it. him bond with the baby without you there. Right. Because when you're there, chances are the baby's going to want you. Right. And what a great opportunity he has. And, and grandparents mm-hmm. too, I say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He loves the baby. He made the baby. He wants to play with the baby. Yeah. Right. Let him play with the baby. Paternity's yeah. like quite strong often, right? And women are really, I think, they... they, they um, Block they it. bully. They mm. bully almost, right? Their elbows are out. Yes. They block it. Exactly. Yes. They're but that's why I have to be honest. Yeah. When I see the partners, I'm like, you kind of have to grow a pair. Right. Like you're being a bit of a pushover. Right. Mm. By we call not that momming up. Momming up. Mom, I like that. I like yeah, that. I like it. But yeah. like, I actually, I'll say to him, yeah. you know, grow a pair. Tell right. her, I'm the dad. It's my kid. Right. I want to look after the kid. Was it on this podcast we talked about like growing a pair is actually, oh no, it wasn't. I spoke to a very prestigious woman who was like, she doesn't love the expression of growing a pair of balls because balls are like the most sensitive part of a man's body. And truthfully, if you want to like tell somebody to to basically grow a pair, you say mom up because that's uh, you the know what? Job I'm in the okay, I'm going like to use that from yeah. now on. I like it. Mom like up, it. bitches. Although they usually get grow a pair. Yeah. They, they get what I'm saying. Yeah. But uh, no, but it's true. They yeah. really need to um, stand up yeah. and and not be so useless. Yeah. I hate saying that, but they become so useless. They get scared, I think, also. They are right? scared. Of yeah. course, they mm-hmm. lack self-esteem mm-hmm. and self-confidence because they haven't been given the, the opportunity right. if you don't to do, do it, it on you can't get good at it. It's a skill, right? Practice. Like, just yeah. practice. Yeah. practice. Yeah. yeah, give a man a fish, you know, teach a man to fish, yes. that thing, whatever yeah. that thing I also is. think that, yeah. like, you know, moms think they're the best ones to do it, but who yes. told you that right. you're the best yeah. to do it? You have no clue you're doing either. How do you know? You're guessing, too. You're just learning as you go also. Why are you better than dad? Who makes you better? know why she may be better is because she's had the practice and she's yeah, done it yeah. but let him do it and let him make mistakes yeah. let him put the diaper on backwards the mm-hmm. baby's gonna have a back crap he'll know next time the proper way to put on a diaper yeah, yeah. but he has to learn i mean and just to go back to the support thing it's interesting not everyone can mm-hmm. afford certain help mm-hmm, and i think mm-hmm. i live in a world where a lot of people have full-time live in nannies mm-hmm. that's not the norm my cousin just called me she's like i'm about to have a second kid i can't afford like how do you manage how are you how do you do what you do without a full-time nanny i'm like because i cobble together care from every corner of the right. fucking world my na- my next door neighbor who's a, from trinidad and tobago who's 65 and retired she's at my house every day like i just like she wants to see my kid amazing she you know that's how i do daycare pickup right i have a nanny 12 hours a week that's all i can but, afford but that's what i have trust i trust that- but it took me also like that time in it obviously experience i'm not that experienced i only have two kids and one's two and a half but i decided i decided to throw luck to the wind and same time when i drop my kids off at my parents house they're in their 70s they're like they're older grandparents already for young kids i'm like i'm gonna drop them off alive and i'm gonna pick them up alive and i actually don't care what happens in between because i need that weekend like right. for myself so right? another great story i love to tell yeah. is a couple finally they're going away together and that's okay. one of the things i've always said when mm-hmm. are you going on your date make mm-hmm. a date oh well he can plan it no 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 he He's not going to plan it. You plan it and you'll make sure that you go on the date. Because if you organize the babysitter and make a list of what needs to be done and plan the restaurant and the movie, at least you know it'll happen. So this couple finally goes on a weekend away and they leave the baby with her in-laws. And uh, sorry, she had two kids, a toddler and 
and uh, a baby, and she leaves um, uh, milk in a bottle, and she was very organized, milk for the toddler and formula for the baby, and she comes back, and she sees all the formulas here, and the (laughs) milk is used up, and she says to her mother-in-law, did you give the baby the milk? the homogenized milk and the mother knows yeah it's all the same it's all the same (laughs) and she was so pissed off she's like i'm never leaving my baby with my mother-in-law can you believe what she did and i said wait a second did you go away with your husband Mm -hmm. she said yeah did you have a fun time with your husband yeah i had a great time so (laughs) is the baby okay oh yeah the baby's fine you know maybe had a bit of diarrhea but the baby's fine (laughs) now you had a great weekend away with your husband isn't that the most important thing? Same with, I always get, I can't leave my baby alone with my husband because he's just going to watch the hockey game and the baby's going to sit on in the swing the whole time. And I'm like, okay, do you think the baby's unhappy in a swing? No, the baby likes to be in the swing. I'm like, and if the baby cries, is your husband going to pick the baby up? Of course he's going to pick the baby up because he won't hear the hockey game <laughs> if the baby's crying. So I'm like, so what are you worried about? Yeah. And my the, the one thing I always say is, is it a safety issue? Right. So that's what it comes down to. Is your husband going to put the baby in a car seat and not do up the buckle? Uh, is your partner going to leave the baby on the couch and the baby can roll off? Is your mother-in-law going to be? I do. <laughs> you can't even tell my baby. Shouldn't be alone with your baby. I'm like, shit, man. No, you're videoing it. You're Instagramming it. We know the baby's okay. Yes, yes, yes. She's on Instagram. She's on my kids. Like, really? Shit. I really got to move my kid closer back to the sofa now. Oh, God. But hold on. Is the baby rolling yet? She's just like today. She's like three okay. and a half months. You can't leave her on the couch. I know, I know. Today was a reality anymore. check. I'll see you in the office. Uh, so is it, is <laughs> it a safety? You know, in yeah. all honesty, is yeah. it a yeah. safety issue? Because if it's not, let the baby be with the, his grandparents or, or, or yeah. dad or... It's or neighbor, like just or make, neighbor, up, make, or it up, neighbor, make up the house. Right. I hear a lot of people say, my in-laws don't live here or my in-laws are incompetent. I'm like, first of all, all the women, by the way, who put so much fucking rules on their fucking in-laws you can only come on sundays for one hour go fuck yourself if you're in-laws there can never not be enough people who love your kid let them love yes. your kids i say that all the time fuck that yes, shit i hate love that stuff my kid. parents like they're in their 70s all of their friends like there is so much rules and regulations about grandchildren relationships and my parents have like unfettered access like if I, my kids sleep over like they are sleeping in beds with my like it's kind of one of those things julian what we were talking about before like trying to hold on to the youth of your julian's here by the way everybody yeah, the devouring mother. That's oh, my parents. The devouring mother. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, I think it's very Let interesting. Them. Let them. As long as they're being safe and yeah. you can make your own rules in your own house. Right. Like, right. If they're a little bit unsleep trained at grandma and grandpa's house, right. okay, just yeah. keep the rules in your own house. Right. I agree with you totally. Create your village. Yeah. Everyone can love your children. Everyone can take care of your children as long as they're safe. Yeah. Give you half an hour, 20 minutes, three hours a weekend to yourself to do something good for you. That'll, yeah. that'll make you the best parent you could be. Right. And often the parents are saying, go, it, we, we want to watch the baby and, and the mom might be hesitant. But coming back to the, the, the partner, again, he's got to be able to say, I want to be with the baby. You right. go. Or, or, or not only that, but I want to be with you. How about I miss you? Mm-hmm. 
I love you and I miss you. And, and since, I miss us. And I miss us. Right. And I want time alone with you. That is such a powerful thing mm-hmm. for a partner to say. I miss us. I like, I go and did some asthma all the time. I still miss <laughs> our life pre-family. It's, it's very yeah. different. Yeah, and is. the other thing is I say to women, you're not married to the kid. Remember that you're mm-hmm. not married. Yeah, they're going to hate you in about 10 years and then they're going to leave you after right. that. So that's right. Yeah. So tell us another. So so we're talking about sleep, and we're talking about okay. we're talking sleep about support, and then what's supports. the last like pillar of the table? Would so you say? the truth is, uh, yeah. in what I do, I'm always assessing whether the woman has um, a diagnosis of anxiety or depression. In which case, I would give medication. So. I always have to assess, okay, is this a medication issue? Sometimes it's just a sleep issue, like I said, and Mm -hmm. sometimes the sleep needs to be rectified by medication. And it's not always something that's prescribed. It could be melatonin or gravol Mm -hmm. or some other over-the-counter remedy that she's used before that's worked. But often when I see women uh, who have postpartum depression or anxiety, they need medication. So I think that that is always at the back of my mind uh, as a clinician Mm -hmm. and as a psychiatrist. And it's very treatable. When I see a woman with anxiety, I know she will get better. And sometimes it involves medication. The problem is by far the hardest part of my job is convincing an anxious woman that she needs medication, right? especially in pregnancy, right? right. If she's so worried about other exposures and what she's eating and drinking <laughs> and doing, then I'm like, okay, you need this medication now to help your anxiety. So it's interesting. So would you say then... Women and our listeners, and we're expecting there's going to be a shit ton of fucking listeners, by the way. So um, get ready. What are the red no flags pressure. then? No, no, pressure. Pressure. no, no what are What are the red flags then? Okay. So like I'm somebody, I'm a little bit anxious. I'm a little bit cuckoo in my own right. We're all a little bit bananas, right? We're moms. It's fucked. Things are fucked. But we go see you. This is a little bit more than anxiety. It's not just baby blues. Maybe there is something there. What are the signs? What are you actually looking for? So one of the biggest things is... Um, I'm asking for a friend. Are you... <laughs> in quotes, yes. And she's chugging whiskey. <laughs> I'm so hot. Self-medicating. I'm so self-medicating. Okay, go ahead. Um, the first thing is, um, are you genuinely able to enjoy the baby? It's one of my favorite questions. Are you genuinely able mm. to enjoy the baby? Or do you always have this buzzing of anxiety in the background? Or you just feel like you can enjoy the baby, but everything... Everything else around you is shit and you just, uh, everything else is falling apart around you. So that's a very important question. Another one coming back to my favorite topic, sleep is, are you able to sleep at night when the baby's sleeping? If the baby's sleeping and you're up ruminating and worrying by ruminating, I mean, sort of, uh, mm-hmm. obsessing and unable to shut your mind off. That's probably the most common term I hear. There's a problem. And if it's chronic, not like once a No, a not month, once a night. And like, not, I mean, yeah. not, not once a week. Right. But yeah, if it's happening every night, you're up right. to feed the baby and then you can't go back to sleep because you can't mm-hmm. shut your mind off. There's a problem. You should be so exhausted that you go back to sleep as soon as you can. Though I do find that a lot of women, and I, I've definitely felt this, <clears throat> not having not having gone through postpartum or anxiety, um, there's a thing about like, this natural maternal instinct, I think, which is make sure your baby's alive, right? So I find, I found myself waking up like really frequently just being like, baby's breathing? Okay, good. And then I could turn my mind off. But I think a lot of women, it obviously makes you feel shitty and exhausted, but 
I don't know if you had this as well, but I, I found myself constantly waking to like make sure my kid was alive and then I go back to sleep. But at the beginning, yes. you have to get to oh, a yeah, point yeah. where For you trust that everything is. Oh so yeah, the dreary. first couple of months. Yeah, yeah. You mean like long term? Like people are doing that? Oh like yeah, yeah. Within months. I mean, mm-hmm. even even beyond a few the first few months. Oh, but okay. even then, I mean, really, I understand bringing home a newborn. You've never had yeah. a baby before. You're going to be up checking. I hear this all the time. Want to yeah. make sure he's breathing. Yeah. I want to make sure. Uh, she's not dead. You know, yeah. I, I mean, these are terrifying thoughts. So you check and you go back to sleep. But really, you should get used to the fact that your baby is okay yeah. mm-hmm. and trust the pediatrician. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so they're I not think, sleeping. I think and not they can't sleeping, enjoy the baby. not enjoying, really not taking pleasure in things, that heightened sense of anxiety. Again, I, I, mm-hmm. I said before, it's mostly anxiety and not depression. So it's not typically the sad curled up in a ball crying all the time. Yeah. It's more panicky, overwhelmed, this heightened sense of, um, uh, I, I call it buzzing in the background. Uh, unable to let go, unable to just relax, unable to do things for themselves and really giving, it's almost like giving everything to the baby and nothing else is left Mm -hmm. for them or their partner Mm -hmm. or, or any other form of enjoyment. Hmm. When are typically people presenting to you? Well, usually postpartum depression or anxiety happens. It's within the first six weeks. Uh, we are getting more and more people in pregnancy now. Mm-hmm. So it's fantastic that we're able to catch it before uh, the postpartum period because it really is the highest risk. And when are they, how are they learning about this? Is that they're, 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 they're OB, OB is saying, yeah. like if or you're midwife or family yeah. talk, whoever's following them. I mean, people talk mm-hmm. about it now, right? right? People are talking about Like they're pregnant and they're feeling shitty already. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I mean, if they're feeling shitty in pregnancy, then they're only going to feel worse postpartum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless it's because they're having nausea or vo- right. vomiting or they're on bed rest or uh, uh, there are some medical issues that mm-hmm. can happen in pregnancy that once resolved, the woman feels better. And what are some of those larger, you mentioned it just before we started the podcast, there's some, some larger socio, like so, so, social issues that are at play here. What are, is there anything there um, that we that we should address in terms of, you know, these are like sort of the three ta- legs of the of the postpartum table um, that you would take like someone to- You mean social media? No, no. I mean, you were saying like you're really excited about women's role in society today and how- moms are seen or how they're interplayed. Do you think we, we, we hit some of those things or is there something else you want to address? Yeah, I mean, I guess I always say that I come back to the perfectionism and the right. expectations. And I think we as women nowadays have, we put, there, there's so many expectations put on us. I mean, we're not only supposed to be great uh, working women and partners mm-hmm. and wives and daughters and mothers and housemakers and cooks and cleaners and all this fun stuff. But now these expectations are put on ourselves and we internalize them and we expect ourselves to be the perfect mother. And And we also uh, push it to other people too. Like I thought we were talking about when, and I would like to actually talk about it is like the whole social media thing. mm -hmm. People are showing the side of oh, them, the perfect, the perfect mother side on of their them, social media. And they're seeing yes. their friends as the perfect right. mother, daughter, uh, sister, yeah. Again, wife, I, I have great stories and I always sort of tuck them away to tell other women mm-hmm. as cautionary tales. And another story that stands out is the woman who is posting 
um, beautiful egg hunting, Easter egg hunting with her toddler around her house and beautiful pictures. And this woman comes to see me, this woman, she felt so guilty and I'm not doing this. And I'm, why am I not doing egg hunts with my kids? And, you know, I had to buy Christmas cookies instead of home make, home make the Christmas cookies mm-hmm. to give out to my neighbors this year. And I said to her, this poor woman posting these pictures, can you imagine how hard it was for her to get her four-year-old child to pose for these pictures (laughs) and how stressful that must have been to dress him in the perfect gear and to place the eggs just so. And imagine how difficult that was for her to go through this exercise in ridiculousness, really, right. but to prove that everything is so wonderful and beautiful. And that's why I think like, I think it's a very interesting role that some women are playing now in the social media sphere, where there's like a real big truth towards like, this is honesty. This is what actually is happening in my family, in my life. It's not pretty. Um, and it's not like pin up pretty, right? It's like, this is the reality of what's happening. And I think there's a, a big movement now to move away from that sort of very staged, I very so. fake dialogue so. that making other moms feel bad. Right, right. <laughs> like, I think that's actually the reality now. And I'm a big proponent of like sharing all of my fuck ups because it humanizes the mother's experience. And I get so many love letters, Bev. And I, and that's I love great. it a lot saying like, thank you so much for sharing this, like for being honest, honest. thing, because like, that's my experience. So, um, I wish that could happen with the teenagers because mm-hmm. yeah. when I look at those really Your own kids. Yeah. Oh yeah. The fake. Is it, is it upsetting for you? Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. It's really, yeah, it, it, it's a trouble actually. It's, it's leading to people think it's leading to a lot more depression, anxiety in kids. In kids. Right. They yes. just see this, this picture perfect right. friends, all these friends are having this picture perfect life. They might feel excluded. They might feel like, you know, they're missing out on that. Thing. And also how gorgeous you know? they make themselves yeah. look. Well, if they only knew how photoshopped those pictures are. Right. right. The filters are very, very powerful yes, these days. They are. Yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. They and look fu- perfect. They're yeah. And FOMO is real, right? People. The fear of yeah. missing yeah. out. It's so funny. I just wrote an article. I wrote an article this week called, um, like basically addressing girls who used to be party girls like myself mm. that back in the day before Instagram that we just lived it. We didn't take photos of it and how much more fun That's things right. were when we did it a pre-drink real. with girlfriends and we'd straighten each other's hair basically. And we'd gab and talk about jobs and boys we were fucking and stuff like that. But no one was taking photos of it. Like it just happened and we were in the moment and that was great. And how much I miss those moments where like, it wasn't, we didn't do it for the Instagram, right? Which is an, um, an expression now. Like I did it for the Instagram. Right. Like there wasn't that any of that. So it's a, I think it's a hard, it's a great, amazing time to be a parent. It's a hard time to just be a, par- a person as we navigate this new, the new, new of, uh, um, self-identifying uh, social media uh, ecosystem of like who you are and where you play. I really am glad to hear that women are being more honest. I'm, are you on social media? No, Beth? no, okay. no. I avoid social media. I still think there's a lot of bullshit. If I look through my feed now, it's mm-hmm. 99% of it looks like bullshit. I would say it's, it's a very slow movement. I'm, saying, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm very, a pioneer on this conversation. There are some people that are Keep being very honest girl. and open, but yeah. I still think a lot of people no, are. People don't want to see, people don't want to see like, this is my kid's rash. You know, <laughs> this <is> my, <laughs> I hate that more than anything. Any Facebook group that I joined and mom's like, can you take a look at this rash? I'm like, call the fucking pediatrician. Don't put it on Facebook. I don't want to see your kid's fucking rash. But I like when somebody says to me, and who like, are you asking? Who are you asking? Who are these Dina, people that you the want to ask? I know. No, no, it's not. But like, who are you asking? Like strangers that have no medical training whatsoever. What is yeah. this rash? You're going to get the worst answers. And who are you, who are you going to follow? Well, well, not everyone gets a text message to their pediatrician like I Go did. Go see oh, my daughter yesterday. There are people like, to see your child. <laughs> Anyways, 
I don't know what I was talking about, but yes, I think you're right. I think it's slow. I don't slow. think it's there. I think there's some very Let's important voices. Let's and I think get there. it's not just like, it's a lot of pretty girls talking about nutrition and wellness. And for me, I have a problem with like a lot of the mommy celebrity bloggers. Like that's the only thing they talk about is like getting their body back and eating well and bullshit, bullshit and fashion. It's like, that is such bullshit. Like there's other conversations to be had. Um, legalization of cannabis and what that could do for you potentially. Do you have any opinions on that, by the way? Yeah. Uh, cannabis is... Yeah. Are you interested? Uh, Are you curious? I, I, I think cannabis is a drug. I'm yeah. uh, very concerned. Are you? About Recreational people, use? Yeah, about okay. people not realizing how dangerous it can be. Interesting. It is not safe in pregnancy. It is not safe in breastfeeding. I think people huh. think it's natural, so they automatically think it's safe. It's not true. And I think that people are stopping... Uh, their medications, which are helpful and have been proven to be helpful, in order to start um, using cannabis. So, I, I, I'm, yeah. So, do you see a lot of like self medication with with pot? A lot of self medication, but you know, this has already been going on, and yeah. they may or may not divulge. But now that it's legal, it's okay. It's legal. So, should I be switching my antidepressant for cannabis? Oh, and, like CBD instead of yes, SSRI? Yes. Mm. Oh. And, and the answer is no. no. The answer no. is no. Because? It's just not proven. It's not proven. It's uh-huh. proven for pain. It's certainly not proven for anxiety or depression. As a matter of fact, anything with any THC in it is going to increase the risk for psychosis or at least increasing anxiety. So someone who's bona fide has sort of major, I would say, people who are on medication shouldn't be switching or, or doing self-medicating. Definitely with these not. Things. Okay. Definitely not. Okay. I'm very curious about the recreational piece of it. I'm not a smoker, but I'm very I curious. I say everything in moderation, yeah. Yeah. but be aware of how it really is affecting you. I mm-hmm. also think it's addictive. I do think it's addictive. Mm-hmm. If not um, it, uh, physiologically, then at least psychologically addictive. Mm-hmm. And um, again, in my practice, I think the most important thing is to talk about pregnancy and it's it's not safe in pregnancy. Oh yeah, no, I, I don't, we don't, I don't think it's, you should be dabbling in anything when you're pregnant, of course not. But it's interesting because we just had a conversation with Dr. Jack Newman about cannabis and how much of the cannabis, the cannabinoid, how do you say it? Cannabinoid? Yeah. Uh, molecule passes through the breast milk. Did mm-hmm. we just have this conversation? What, what yes. did he say about that? Yeah. I'm curious. That it's a very big protein and so very little goes through the breast milk. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I don't know if I agree with that. That's okay. I think you have to be very cautious. Yeah. I think the actual larger issue that people, I might see as a throwing caution to the wind is be that somebody gets too stoned to function as a parent. That's my problem. Yeah. That's right? true. So like if, if you are going to get high or whatever, making sure that like somebody in the house is not high or making sure you're not hot boxing your kid or those sorts of things, if you're going to ingest any sort of edible or anything like that, that it's not in the reach of your children so that they don't accidentally eat a chocolate or a cookie that has CBD in it. So there's lots of unknowns. I agree with you. It's interesting just to hear different opinions. That's all. Um, you look very scared, Bev. Yeah, no, okay. I just, I'm not, I've been, I've been hearing a lot about right. it just because my and, patients are coming right. and saying I want to switch. And I'm like, not with this doctor. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. It's hard too when it's not like set in the same way. Like we know like this SSRI is good right, for this and right. here's how to titrate it with CBD stuff. And it's, it's really it's, not well studied. For, right. It's, it's really not well studied, right, but also like how sick, much, yeah. what type, any right. THC, only CBD, is it an right. oil, is it a joint? Like it's not, it's not an easy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that I think that pharmacologics are better overall than everything else um, necessarily, though 
I wouldn't be using CBD to treat depression. I would never recommend that. Um, but it's just, it's not studied the same way. We don't mm-hmm. know how to titrate it. We don't know the type. We don't know where you got it from. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's so many factors to it that are difficult. Yeah. Especially when we know those other things that are well studied. I, th- I do think it's important to ask the question yeah. just as you would ask about alcohol. Yeah. So I do think it's important. Um, and I think a lot of people are self-medicating with it. Oh, yeah. And not mm-hmm. only that, so fascinating to me with uh, drugs or alcohol that, that women will say to me, but all my friends are drinking that much or mm-hmm. all my friends are smoking a joint every night. I'm like, that doesn't make it okay. Right. Just because everyone else is doing it. Yeah, in the 70s, people were doing lots of stuff together. That yeah, that's right. Right? Bad things. Interesting. In the 70s. And the people saying you may not have the same brain chemistry at that's the moment right. exactly. as your friends that are exactly. able to drink. They may not be able to. Or right. They might be able to handle the pot the same way because they're next to you and their friends are not next to you. Right. Yeah. How about right. isolation and loneliness? Are those leading factors in the cause of some of the patients you're seeing? Are people, what do you think? I think that women put it on themselves that they are not asking for help, not going out. It's almost like this form of um, self-sacrifice for my baby. Uh, I think that in one way, uh-huh. so in the other way, in another way, I think that uh, winter, I didn't mm-hmm. mention this before, but winter, especially in Canada, is... Especially today. Especially today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's very, just very bright outside today. It is. Really it was. It was sunny. Tons that's tons nice. Centimeters. Yeah. Tons, tons of snow, but... Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that makes a big difference and yeah. and and women not wanting to go out. So another thing I didn't mention is that I tell all women, you got to get up, shower, get dressed and go out every day. Yeah. With the baby, without the baby, get out and not in your PJs. Right. And in the winter, especially having a newborn in the winter, sometimes women just hibernate. Yeah. Yeah, that nothing makes you feel shittier than just sitting in your house. Sitting all day. Mm-hmm. with a without crying a, baby, without a yeah. shower, without yeah. changing, mm-hmm. without you know just sitting there. I remember <laughs> sitting at home, breastfeeding my first, watching I don't know Oprah, and it's dating me, and uh, sitting there and just. I I couldn't even have a conversation by the time my husband came home. I was just so bored. Mm. And he would say to me, again, very blunt and honest partner, Bev, your IQ is dropping 10 points a day. <laughs> I'm like, you're right. So, but I, it's true. Uh-huh. He was right. I'm like, he said, you have to leave the house. Mm. Get out. You can't sit at home all day. I think it's so, one of the reasons why I went back to work early. I feel like I need to do it for my health. With my second, I, I, I had really to need go from, back. I needed and, to talk I'm not to someone. That's what you need to do. Totally, right? For me, I personally, me you have to know I need yourself. to talk to people. I need to stand up. I need to shower. I need to put on real clothes. I need to have an interaction with adults that are not. That's not just my husband. For I think my most, mental health, but I, I think it. most women need that. So go yeah. and even if you have social phobia and you have difficulty being in groups, go for a walk. Just get outside. Mm-hmm. Go um, take the take the stroller and go to the library, go for a coffee, go meet up with a friend. You don't necessarily walk have the to- mall. Yeah, walk, walk the somewhere. mall. Walk the mall, especially yeah. in the winter. Oh my God, walk. all that sounds Move so terrible body. to me. I'm sorry. I couldn't do any of that. I think for me, like I don't, I have a unique experience where like I'm on maternity leave and there's not enough hours in the day for me to do what I need to accomplish. And my kid is out with me probably six hours a day. Like I'm not home. Like I go through, it takes a gas multiple times You a have, a very, have a very, very unique family. I'm, I'm a big believer in preaching that, which is like, let's create an opportunity in a place for moms to go. Because the places for moms to go are so fucking terrible. Going to a mall is fucking bad. Going to the library is really boring. So that's why I'm like, let's create destinations that are fucking awesome. And I'm like, yes, I'm totally going to put on, 
jeans. And by the way, you're catching us both on the most casual day we've ever been on our yeah, I podcast. Never, I never wear hangout never clothes. Yeah. Like such casual clothes. Well, I think next time uh, you should be wearing gowns. <laughs> <laughs> wedding gowns? You should be, be dressing, wedding dressing up. Oh my God. Anyways, so I think it's interesting. But I, think, I love that. Yeah. So what? So go to a museum. Now museums right. have no, do what makes you feel good. We, we do like, we do boozy brunches. That's my thing. Oh, that's so good. We do like really cool, really hip, awesome restaurants. We do... We always have an expert. We always have some sort of cool food or beverage offer. It's not about the booze. It's about getting out of the house yeah. and giving moments But some a good people day. want to be super social like that, yeah. postpartum. And some women want to put on PJs and walk them all. Yeah. <laughs> Do whatever makes you feel good. That's true. But get yeah. out. And, get and, and I think move your body. Create cool destinations. Because yeah. the destination's like, you know, times I walked out from mall and I was like, I cannot do this thing goddamn well, again. You know? Also, that mall was terrible. And I love that I was going to say that. We call it Ghetto Mall. I thought maybe they were one of your sponsors. Sorry. We don't have any sponsors. Sponsor us. Call me. We have no sponsors. No, but that mall's really terrible. It is. You can't walk. Oh my God. I love Duffer Mall. I don't want to see every yid that I know either. So that's why I go to Duffer Mall. I digress. So yeah. create yeah. fun places yes. or at least just get out. Yeah. Get out of the house. That's amazing. Don't okay. stay in your PJs all day. It just makes you feel like shit. That's yeah. right. And also, no, I don't think anyone really does this, but actually eat real food. I think a lot of people just yeah. like eat snack food all day yeah. or like ice cream or cereal or whatever. But if you're not moving your body, you're not getting any sunlight, you're not getting an exercise, you're eating yeah. shitty food, you're going to feel shitty. And don't tell me you don't have time to eat because that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Put the baby down and go and make yourself lunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I completely agree with that. I think sometimes the pregnancy, the very bad habits picked in pregnancy are very hard to shake mm. in those early days. But I think by nine months, you should probably have a pretty good handle on not eating a pint oh, or of ice Or again, cream enlist your village to make you a meal. Right. right. That's and right. I think, I think when people ask you, like, can I help? The response I would suggest to parents and what I took them up on is, can you do my laundry? Can mm-hmm. you get me groceries? Yeah. Can you make me a dinner? Like, Watch the kid if they're into watching the kid, but like doing the things that like I totally don't want to do even the best of days. I don't want to do my dishes or mm-hmm. do my laundry or vacuum my house. But some people would really be happy to like have a definitive thing to do. Um, yeah. One of the things I do see in women who are very anxious is sometimes I, uh, I I talked about how often they give everything to the baby, but some women are actually very anxious of being with the baby all the time. So the village comes in, the, the grandmothers and the mm-hmm. partners stays home from work and they do all the baby stuff. And that's sort of interesting because they almost feel more comfortable leaving or doing the background stuff. And I say, no, 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 you are the primary caregiver. Mm -hmm. So I like the idea of getting the moms, the grandmothers, um, the partners, the neighbors, the friends to bring a meal, do the cooking, the cleaning, the laundry. I call it the background stuff. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. And tell me about the the light at the end of the tunnel as we sort of come to the There's end here. There's such a great light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, my kids are older than yours and uh, motherhood is the greatest experience and the kids get older and um, you see how they're like you and how they're not like you. And I always say to women, it gets better. Mm-hmm. It really does get better. You know, people say, oh, the teenagers are so hard or... And the truth is, once you have more of that independence and they're good on their own and you've really instilled uh, a good sense of self in them and, like I said, independence and 
then there's a sense of freedom and knowing that, you know what, I did what I could and yeah. I instilled the values and I wanted to. you see the fruits to. of your labor to some degree. You really do. Yeah. You really do. And and it's it, it's really the beginning, I can't stress this enough, it's really, really hard at first. And sometimes the best thing I could say is, it's going to get better. Mm-hmm. It's gonna. I promise you, it will get better. It's funny, it ben, gets easier. The thing that made me nervous is when people are like, "Oh, these are the good old days." I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me? What, these are not the what good, old, good days. old days." I mean, I hate, that like that sort of that sort of dogma of being like, "This is the best time in your life." Oh, I'm like, "No, no. this is like the worst. I have the least With amount the of money. No. I'm the most." It's like, interesting. Some yeah. people actually say, "Oh, I miss the cuddly phase, and I miss the toddler phase." And I say, "No, every phase is great. It just gets better and better." So enjoy each phase instead mm. of looking back and saying, oh, I missed out and I shoulda, coulda, woulda. Mm. I think enjoy. that's romanticize right. that stuff, even though it really sucked in the moment. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like I love cuddling babies. I didn't love cuddling my babies. I mean, I did love cuddling my babies. <laughs> it's going to be off wrong. But also I feel like mm. for me, I was always like the go the fuck to sleep kind of thoughts. Right. Like, oh, I love, you're so delicious. Go, the go fuck to sleep. sleep. Right. Please let me like have my own two seconds, right? Yeah. But we often romanticize how great it was in those times. But yeah. I, I agree, as my kids are getting older, like they're just, just they're enjoy. real people. People yeah, now, enjoy and they're phase. like, it's fun watching my boys. I like, grew up into be like, like boys and like like little men. It's cool. It's very cool. I'm enjoying them more as they're getting older. Good. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Even though I do no love regrets. delicious no regrets. Yeah. Even when I see women who have postpartum depression the first time around, and then they have their second, or even something like they had a terrible delivery, a traumatic delivery, and the second one was better, and they're just enjoying it more. Yeah. And I always say. Do you feel guilty? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this. Do you feel guilty that you didn't feel the same way the first time or that you missed out or maybe the, you feel the baby missed out? And um, often the woman will say, no, I know this is different. I know this is how it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. I know this is how it should be. And I think that's a very healthy attitude mm-hmm. instead of feeling guilty that you didn't give the first child enough. Mm-hmm. I always say it's not the, the babies who miss out. It's the mums. Interesting. And I want to get them better for them to enjoy their children. See, the one mm-hmm. thing I was concerned about is I love my son so much. And when I had my daughter, I was like, and I didn't know I, I have a daughter. I'm like, right. am I going to love her as right. much as That's I love her? That's very first? common. And I look at my fucking daughter. I'm like, oh my God, I'm yeah. so obsessed with you. Like, I look at her and I see yeah. her soul and I'm like, I am obsessed with you. I could have another one right, right now. Don't tell my husband. I could have another <laughs> one right now because she's so, I'm so in love with her. So family planning is an interesting thing depending on the relationship you had and your experience, which is also, I think, a huge factor. So mm-hmm. The evidence that things do get better is that people don't have one kid often. Right. I mean, left with one kid, but many, many people have more kids, even though right. it sucked so bad at the beginning. Yeah many people still have a second kid mm-hmm. because you That's forget right. how much it sucked and there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You see that light and then you're like, oh yeah, it did yes. suck so much. I could try this again. And for right. 3,000 years, yeah. you've been having lots of kids and then right. forgetting how bad it is and having more. That's right. Right? No matter how hard it was. Tina, what did you learn yeah. today from our friend, Dr. Bev Young? <laughs> Let's oh, no, bring it no home. Pressure, no pressure, no pressure, no <laughs> pressure. Um, no, I mean, I like that you validated kind of everything I, I tell moms. and yeah. Uh, yeah, and I love yeah. that as a pediatrician, we're on the same page, Absolutely. right? Because yeah. I need to know that... Uh, if you have concerns, you're going to pick up on them and that you are asking the mom how she is and not just looking at the baby. Mm-hmm. Super important. And looking past the makeup and the lipstick. <laughs> yeah, that's all bullshit. I don't even see that stuff. That's no, good. Yeah. Mm. And they might be wearing designer outfits. I do not notice. I promise you, I do not notice what you're wearing. I'm really looking at the baby. <laughs> she doesn't see bougie. Right. I do not see bougie. Yes. But you look lovely and I'm very happy that you And you're, at least you that, showered and got and you're dressed. Good. And that's you the got thing too. Out. When you look cute, 
you and you project cute, you're feeling good about yourself, and I'm cool with that mm-hmm. totally. But I'm not actually looking at what jeans you're wearing. <laughs> I don't have time for that shit. <laughs> good. I hope yeah. not. What did you learn, Elena? Mm, I don't learn so much. Uh, I think I'm going to be a little bit more. I meet a lot of moms who are like super postpartum, like just in the early stages. That if I see any red flags or these sorts of things, I think they're showing up at my events or things that we're doing. They're pretty much okay, or they put a ton, tremendous amount of effort to get there. But but that's good um, for them. And they yes. do they come up to you afterwards and yes, and talk they, about it? Yeah, we get tons of emails primarily post events if something was up. Um, but it's good to know that there's resources available. That's number one, and number two, I guess what the signs and symptoms are. Um, and I love this real talk sort of like this that you call bullshit on people, and I think that's pretty. Yeah, they don't awesome. always want to hear it. But, okay. but it's interesting. Sometimes they want to go away and they want to try what they need to do, the lifestyle changes mm-hmm. and, you know, go out and change their diet and exercise and acupuncture and, and whatever it is they need to do. And sometimes they come back and they say, you know what, I tried all that. Mm-hmm. I'm ready now yeah. to get treatment. And I think that the thing you validated for me is that my our mission at Mom's Tia, Moms Toronto, is to give put moms at the center of the conversation of parenting and our, our motherhood in general and to say it's okay to pick you and like let's encourage yes, you picking yes. you and that like the baby is part of your life it's not everything of who you are and your identity shifts there's no f- two ways of fucking about it but you were a person before you were this kid you'll That's be a person right. after That's and let's right. hold on to some piece of that identity so and you could do both you could be an awesome yeah. mom and also an awesome the person that you person loved for yourself. before that you right. do those same things that you loved before yeah. that is the goal yeah and your baby and, and family will be happier for and it everyone benefit yeah yeah yes cool well, thank you so happy much. Happy mom, happy baby. That's right. Absolutely. Well, thank you thank so much. Thank you very, very much. My Yay. pleasure. Yay. You did so good. Yay. Did you get through your notes, Beth? Did <laughs> I did. I don't even know. I have so I many notes, notes here. You know like, what? Put down the notes. It's gonna have We're to just going to shoot the shit. It's going to have we'll to be the next, next time. Yeah. Next time. We didn't even talk about sex. I know. We should do that. Yeah. Okay, say something fast about sex. You got to have sex after you have a baby. High five, Dina. Yeah, we should be having sex You don't have to do it right away. Yes. But... It's got to happen. It is good for you. It's good for your partner. It's good for your relationship. It may not feel so great the first time. No, but it, it hurts. Record, record it hurts. Way. At some yes. point. Yeah, yes. we talk about this every single time. All the time. Yeah. Okay. So, so, tell, so you can tell us because people know what we think. Mm. Yeah. Uh, start with dates. Uh, uh, just in summary, men's brains are very different. They just want to wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Mm-hmm. And women like the psychology and the closeness and the emotional component find a way to penis and vagina thrust, not just penis and vagina Hand thrust. Off. That's, that's, <laughs> it's got to be more than that. I, I honestly, I need an hour. <laughs> okay. I need an back. hour. You'll come back. I need okay, an hour. Okay, we'll give you an hour. We want an hour. Will you come back? I will. Okay. And here's a teaser. Okay. Mind the pun. Go. <laughs> Go. The five minute blowjob. Oh shit! Okay, we're gonna do an hour on the five minute. Wait blow a second! Job. No, I don't. I can't wait. <laughs> gotta wait. I can't wait. You gotta wait till You're next waiting. season. You're waiting. Dun, dun, dun. I don't. I'm like not a particularly patient person. I'm like googling right minute, now. What is the five, five minute, minute blowjob? Blow and Andrew hears this upstairs, and he's like, "What is also the five minute blowjob?" I love it. Mom okay. say five minute blowjob. Thank you so much, Julian Frank. Did you Thank enjoy you, that? Julian. Wonderful. He also yeah, wants to know what the five minute blowjob is. <laughs> I'll tell Can you. Can Julian wait? I'll, I'll tell you in a second. <laughs> Thank you very much. And Bev, if someone wants to find you, how do they find you? 
Um, I am at Mount Sinai Hospital. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Bevin. You have to go through your physician. So family yeah. doctor, we accept referrals from uh-huh. midwives. Do you do public doctor. speaking or do you ever do, I do write a book? Anything? I do no? a lot of public speaking. I would okay. love to write a book. Will but you speak for me one time? I would love to okay. speak, yes. Awesome. I love speaking okay. and uh, I love when women listen to what I have to say. It's awesome. It's amazing. Thanks, so guys. thank Next you for time. having me. Five Next minute time. Five-minute okay. blowjob. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We hope you really enjoy the content. We are eager to chat with the most interesting people about topics you care about. Please connect with us on social media at Moms That Say, at Moms T.O., and at Dr. Dina Kulik, and share your comments, requests, and to continue the conversation. If you want to hear more, click subscribe and rate us too. We're all about the feedback because this podcast is for you. Have a great rest of week. Until next time.